Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. The fact that they're changing it due to the success of forward-facing sonar is what what made me question it. You know, we didn't get the, the, as thick of ice on the rainy rivers we normally had gotten. Being a bird, being a rough fish, there are some big fish out here. There's always a, like, hey, what's the catch? I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Heard on the Sporting Journal Radio Network on 30 stations across Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the Dakotas. Also online and downloadable wherever you get your favorite podcasts or sportingjournalradio.com. Or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. I'm Brett Amundsen. That's Dan Amundsen over there. What's up, Dan? Hey. Good. Hi. There I don't remember what you asked. I wasn't listening. <laughs> Trying to do something. That's all right. David Eckhart's over there. What's up, David? Hello. You just keep doing your thing there, Dan. <laughs> it's all good. We got a good show for you this week. We're going to talk about a couple of things that are going on in our region right now, including efforts to put sturgeon on the endangered species list. We're going to talk about what you can do right now to help stop that effort. There's also been a tournament. Uh, there, There is a tournament that's been going on for over 40 years in Minnesota, and they are changing some of the rules due to advancements in technology like forward-facing sonar. We'll tell you what tournament that is and what changes they've made coming up in a little bit. Uh, we'll also talk about our glow trip to Lake of the Woods last week. That was a good time, David. That was a great time. I had fun. Oh, yeah. Caught some fish. We'll talk about that experience. And uh, we're up there with a veterans group, Memories Made Outdoors. Uh, we're going to talk to a couple of the vets here on the show and talk uh, and explain why these types of events are important and uh, why it's good to volunteer for them, support them, put them on, do what you can to help uh, these vets out as often as possible. I got an, an Onyx tip for you that we'll talk about and uh, some new stuff coming from Onyx as well. There's a party coming up at Pheasant Fest we'll tell you about and a couple of other show news uh, that we'll be explaining here on the show. Dan, are you ready to go with the sponsors? Yeah, we've got Invergrove Toyota. The official truck sponsor of Fish Hunt Forever is Invergrove Toyota. When looking for your new rig, head over to Invergrove Toyota. The Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic is March 8th, 9th, and 10th at Canterbury Park in Shakopee. Learn more at mndeerclassic.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Fish out of a snow bear on Devil's Lake. Learn more at haybellheights.com. Onyx Hunt. Landowner information, public land access, and much, much more. Know where you stand with Onyx Hunt. Prairie Sportsman. The new season is underway. Watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Plan a trip for this winter, spring, or summer at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. And the Midwest Wild Sheep Foundation Annual Banquet and Fundraiser is March 15th and 16th at the Minneapolis Marriott Southwest in Minnetonka. Learn more at midwestwildsheep.com. Should we give you a little bit more time to read those still? We gave you another uh, second no. or two. Maybe we'll give you no. extend them a little bit more. No. We'll talk faster then. <laughs> no. Thank you to our sponsors. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. In fact, that new truck, uh, really like seeing it in the driveway out there. We had more people take pictures of that truck than fish at the trip last week. Yeah, a lot of people stopped looking at it. <clears throat> yeah, when we were up at Lake of the Woods, <laughs> yeah, that's your truck out there? Yep, I had to take a picture of that. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank Toyota, because they made a cool truck. Jamie Dittman put a cool wrap on it. And uh, we'll be, I think we're gonna do a contest with that if you spot that truck You're somewhere. giving it away? Nope. Oh. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. No. Uh, no. But we will give away some 
prizes uh, if you spot that truck and then post about it on social media and tag us in it. We'll give away some prizes. So we'll have more details about that. Wow. Uh, also, our bracket challenge and uh, some other contests that we have coming up. But if you want to get a deal on a Toyota, go to Invergrove Toyota. Uh, use the code FHF. They'll give you a discount on a, on a Tundra. And they got a really cool one on the in the showroom right now. A black one lifted. It's cool. It's the Tundra Limited like the one I've got. It's just a beautiful, beautiful truck. So go check it out right now at Invergrove Toyota. Brand new car! That's right. So we heard about this and we were all together when we heard about this tournament um, in Osakis. So it's the Osakis Fishing Tournament. It's a Lions Club puts on this tournament there. They've been doing it for a long time, over 40 years. And they uh, had some anglers do really well using forward-facing sonar recently. Last year, I think, maybe. Yeah. So a lot of people said, nope. We're not going to fish it unless some changes no. are made. No. So this year, the club voted that the tournament will be a stringer of six fish. Five must be a minimum of 15 inches or up to 22. One fish can be over 22. We put a lot of time and effort into this decision based on feedback we received from those that fish our tournament and our community. We hope to see you on tournament day. So registration is open for that right now. Um. So it must be, I, I don't even know what the date of that tournament is. We should look it up. They got a Facebook page is where we got this information from. But it must be a, a kind of a midsummer tournament because the DNR won't let you release any fish caught in this tournament unless you release all of them. So somebody in the comments complained. I thought there'd be more complaints about only one over 22 because that kind of surprised me. I think I'd be, I mean, if you go out there and you catch five 29-inch walleyes, and you can only keep one of them in this tournament. I don't know how big the tournament is. I don't know how big the prizes are or anything like that. And maybe it's just a fun charity tournament, so it's not really a big deal. But, you know, if, if there was a tournament out there and I was limited, I think I'd be like, come on, man, what the heck? Right? I mean, kind of, but every keep tournament in Minnesota is going to have the same rule of one over 20. So what's, I mean... this I guess, is a, But this isn't a keep tournament. I get that, but I guess, like, it's... That's it's the same rule that a lot of other tournaments deal with, so it's not a big deal. And and if that's what the majority of people that want to fish it want to do, then I guess that's fine. I mean, it you know majority kind of rules with that, but sure, it's I don't know. I mean, the rules are rules, and you know you that's kind of the deal with any tournament fishing is you deal with the rules put in place by the areas you're fishing. You know, you see any the BASS MLF. MLF, NWT, MCC, all these tournaments, you deal with different lakes, different regulations, different states, and, you know, some are call, some are no call, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's kind of the skill of being a tournament angler is catching the fish that are needed to win that tournament. You know, the guy who catches the five biggest walleyes might not win that tournament because that's not how it's structured. And that's just kind of the skill of being a good tournament is making the right tournament angler is making the right decisions based on the circumstances you have. And those are the circumstances that everyone's going to play by. That's that's what you're going to do. So I could see whether it'd be frustration. But at the same time, if that's what the majority of the people participating in it want, then there shouldn't be too many complaints. Oh, he's been sitting on that response for a while. <laughs> Not really. That honestly was we kind of knew we were going to talk about this, and that just all came to my head right now. That's not even written down on not my even in your bullet points. Not even in my bullet points I have here. So, and I honestly I agree with all of that. Really, I mean, it comes down to whatever the tournament wants to do. I just uh, it's just it's just on face value, it's just kind of surprising. Like, yeah, I used to be able to. It's a catch photo release tournament, so you used to be able to just 
record every big fish that you caught for the tournament. Um, sh- sure, I guess it, if you if, if you want to show off your skill and say, no, I'm just, <laughs> I was 29 inches, those are for the amateurs. <laughs> I want some 18s and 19s or 21 and a halfs or whatever it is. It makes sense because then you are targeting only fish. And, and obviously in some places you got red zones and slot limits and things like that where some fish aren't going to count. But I feel like most of those are... Uh, you know, live weigh-in tournaments versus a, a CPR tournament. But this is, and I, I think I could care less how they run the tournament. I think the fact that they're changing it due to the success of forward-facing sonar is what what made me question it originally. Well, here's, let me tell you what's going to happen is people are going to realize that this didn't make a difference in the forward-facing sonar. Like, yeah. Okay, so people are targeting the big marks on the, that they see. Now they're just going to do the opposite because, right? That I think that's the point of this argument is people are taking their live scopes, their mega live, and they go, "Okay, there's a small pot of fish, small smaller fish. We're not going to catch those. Let's go look for a big one." Well, now they're just going to do the opposite. You're going to go catch your big one, and then, okay, well, there's a big one. Well, we can't. We already got a thirty incher. We're not going to beat that. So, let's go find that pot of eaters. It's still like. It, <laughs> The forward-facing sonar guys are still going to have the advantage on that, right? And so I, th- I think, and I think this will be a common trend throughout the whole fishing industry is people are going to start to realize once they learn more about this technology. Because I've said this before too, the people who are against forward-facing sonar are the people that don't have it. Yeah. Once you have it, you realize how it's not a, a detriment. How it's it's not a magic fish catcher like you like to say, Brett, and that it's it's and a, a fun that. it's a fun tool that is helpful in catching fish yes there's no doubt but it's not going to kill our sport it's not going to ruin fishing yeah it's pretty entertaining if you know what you're looking at and i, I think it'll be a common trend that people are going to try to make these rules they're going to try to make loopholes to, to try to make it an even playing field but you know what if you want an even playing field put a motor restriction on things i don't know how many times i've been on a big lake and been limited getting to a spot i'd like to get to because i don't have a big enough boat so I'm limited everything to birch bark canoes and twigs with <laughs> nylon, you know, horsehair line. If if you really want to make things even, or, you know, put flat regulations on everything on what you can use and on boats and and motors. Or if you don't like live scope, you don't like all that fun stuff. Enter a kayak tournament or something. Yeah. You know, it's like it's just. I get it. I get you're frustrated with it. It's a change. People have always been frustrated with change, but here we are. Well, I think as long as it's not. Is, is you're not destroying the fishery by using the technology. I think that's where the line gets drawn. I know some muskie tournaments put a ban on forward-facing sonar, and, and when muskies are deep, you can find them, and they're usually, uh, they can be cooperative in that, in that sense, and you might be damaging the fishery a little bit. But if, if, if they're targeting these walleyes in deep water where barrel trauma could be an issue or uh, it's a catch photo release, so you are, there, are, there is some fish handling uh, time, uh, but usually that's pretty quick. I mean, you take a picture, you measure it, you put it back. It's Can usually, be. Usually not too long. Um, then, I, then I don't think technology should be an issue. You're not throwing a net, <clears throat> excuse me, you're not throwing a net out there to net these fish. You still have to catch them. As we all who, we all own live scopes, we all know that it doesn't automatically mean you're going to catch that fish. So the, the live scope doesn't kill the fish. Right. The fisherman kills the fish. Yeah. Like people try to, I don't, not that I want to bring the, this this word back into discussion but people have brought up crossbows and tried to compare that to live scope with me like you catch yeah. a fish with live scope the fish isn't dead right the fisherman makes the conscious effort once that fish is in your hand to kill it that where you hunt with a crossbow you pull the trigger with a crossbow what it hits dies so there's there's a difference there and it's 
you know, you can catch and release all day long. Yes, there's hooking mortality, there's barrow trauma, there's delayed mortality, all these fun things we've been talking about, but right. um, it's still, it's, it's where the the ethical angler needs to come in and, and you gotta be smart about what you're doing. 100%, and that is something, I, I thought there'd be more comments about this change on this Facebook post. In fact, the last Facebook post, they limited the comments, they closed the comments, so they obviously were getting some negative feedback, but the previous post, People complain more about the fact that it's a catch photo release tournament versus a live weigh-in, which my mind exploded when I heard that because they're like, well, there's hundreds of floating dead fish after this tournament. And some of the officials with the Lions Club said, I've never seen one dead fish. There's never been a picture. And sure, you might get some delayed mortality or hook hooking mortality. You might kill a few fish, but a few fish in a CPR tournament versus all the fish. I don't know how many anglers fish in that tournament but if they catch six fish and kill them all, <laughs> then you have a hundred percent mortality and all the fish caught in that tournament versus the CPR. So I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I can see it though. I, I see both sides of the argument with CPR tournaments and there's, it comes into a time of year thing too. Are you dealing with hot water? Are you dealing with deep depths? Sure. Stuff sure. like that. And and it, 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 it there can be a lot of, not a lot. And, and I want to put this out before I make this point. I'm not against CPR tournaments. We run a CPR tournament. I think it's great. I like the concept of it. I think it's cool that sometimes you can work around slot limits, stuff like that, and release some fish. But I understand why people don't aren't always a big fan of them. Because there is, you know, you gotta take, like take fish donkey, for example. And again, I love fish donkey, but you still gotta take two pictures of the fish, measure it, and then a release video. There, you know, times that can lead to a lot of, fair amount of fish handling. And so you might have fish dying, and so it, it's kind of one of those, do you, would you rather feed the pelicans or feed some people? Oh, for sure. You know, you keep the fish, you can bring them home or sometimes tournaments donate them to a food shelter or a, something like that, um, a food shelf, but, or. Ooh, there's just a sh picnic full. shelter full of food. Yeah. Fence, uh, chain link fence around it. Yeah, yeah. You Protect know what I'm. the food. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, from the pelicans, I might eat it. Food is sheltering so, in place. You know what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I know. This went my whole argument, but and and the, and, the, and not even an argument because again, I'm I like CPR tournaments. Yeah. But the other thing too is the whole permitting process with tournaments. The DNR takes into account, as far as I understand, that that's part of why you permit tournaments. So the DNR takes into account, okay. Anglers are going to be out here. There's going to be a lot of mortality on these fish. I, I, the way I've understood it, I could be wrong. Somebody from the DNR, somebody with more tournament experience can correct me on this. But I, it's my understanding they kind of look at, okay, there's a tournament on this lake. We're basically going to account for these fish to die, even if they're trying to put them back after a weigh-in or no weigh-in, whatever there might be. So that you know, you're going to have, yeah, it sucks they, to see fish die all the time. But at the same time, the DNR is keeping an eye on that. And, yeah. You know, there's people that are going to scream, well, the DNR is stupid, whatever. But they're keeping an eye on that. Yeah. So they're not going to let 75 tournaments happen on one lake. And Correct. Have they, and happen. they do limit the number of tournaments per body of water. Right. So. So they're taking that into account. And so I can see why, like, weigh-ins are fun. And you, you keep the fish, you put them to use instead of letting them just float around. So not only do they limit the number of tournaments, but depending on what time of year your tournament is, they will limit the amount of catching and releasing and right. that you can do. So some tournaments after a certain date. So I, I looked at um, that post on that Lions Club Facebook page. They talk about, we had four options here. One, go to uh, live weigh-in and kill every single fish because after 
a certain day of the year, we can't keep fish for the weigh-in and then release them because they're going to die later when the water's warmer, et cetera. That's not as, especially with walleyes, that's not a smart choice hardly ever. Right. Or live weigh-in, uh, live weigh-in, move the tournament earlier so you can do a live weigh-in and release fish, go to a CPR tournament, and then the last one was, or quit the tournament that we've been doing for over 40 years. And uh, it sounds like, I love some, Dan, you thought some people were starting to do that anyway just because of the, the headaches that the, some of these things were causing? quit tournaments yeah well i could see it happening I mean, yeah i don't i don't think there's tournaments okay. folding because of that but i could see it start to happen well and, and and it's all to protect the fisheries but you start to get more and more regulations and then we boring you david, david? <laughs> yeah wow you can, you can eat a little bit of conversation eat a little bit of pizza and i get sleepy <laughs> go home if you want i guess like nobody's forcing you to be here well we should change topics anyway that's a pretty interesting one though so the osakis lions club fishing tournament on their facebook page is where we're getting some of that information from all right we let want, us know your opinions absolutely or if you have any information on uh dnr permitting stuff like that but let us know your opinions on that kind of stuff it doesn't really, I think whatever option you choose, n not everybody's going to be happy. Never. There's no way to please everybody. So Never. no matter what the option is, someone's going to complain. David coming through with a home run <laughs> comment <laughs> right Just there. Been sitting on that one for a while, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> so a video to watch when we come back. It's actually a pretty important topic right now involving sturgeon and the fact that uh, Center for Biological Diversity is trying to put them on the endangered species list. And was, they're talking about it in Wisconsin, but it'll affect everybody, uh, including you anglers in Minnesota that like to target these fish on St. Croix, the Mississippi, Rainy River, things like that. So I uh, will talk about that when we come back. Don't forget forget Friday and Saturday, March 15th and 16th is the Midwest chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation Banquet at the Marriott Southwest Hotel in Minnetonka. They got prime rib. They got uh, a bunch of other food. They've got um, uh, some auction items, including three live auctions featuring North Dakota, South Dakota and Wyoming state bighorn sheep tags, along with world class big game hunts uh, throughout North America, Africa, Europe, Asia, fishing, all of this stuff. Uh, they're going to give away two youth South Dakota statewide turkey licenses this year. So the Midwest chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation annual banquet Friday and Saturday, March 15 and 16 at the Minneapolis Marriott Southwest Hotel in Minnetonka. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybell Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. We're back. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Thanks for watching or listening wherever you're getting this show. I'm Brett Amundsen along with Dan Amundsen and David Eckhart. And this is our recommended video to watch on YouTube. Just saw this uh, video from the hunting public came out about a week or two ago. And it's about sturgeon spearing in Wisconsin. And they actually, that is one of the hardest things to film. I've gone over there and tried to film sturgeon spearing a number of times. And it is hard. First of all, it's real hard to be successful and it's hard to film. And they did actually did a pretty good job of it and speared some sturgeon. But the best part about the interview or the video was an interview at the beginning of it with a DNR employee. I don't even know if they said who, the, what her name was. I was kind of surprised they did it unless I missed it. And I might've, but they did a whole stand up video interview with this DNR employee and her name wasn't listed at all. And like Dan mentioned before the show, maybe she didn't want it to be, I don't know, but 
they talked about this push from the Center of Biological Diversity trying to get sturgeon back on the uh, trying to get sturgeon on the endangered species list. Now they petitioned U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and the way that works is they petition, and then U.S. Fish and Wildlife opens up a public comment period for 60 days on it. I think they they look at it and determine a few things, and then there's a 60 day period. So I think it's June 30th is when the 60 day period will open up. Now, why I'm telling you this is because it's going to be your job and your job and your job and my job to tell US Fish and Wildlife that we don't want sturgeon on the endangered species list. Um, they, there's, they used to be a lot more widespread, of course. Uh, there were some things that have limited their ability to travel, such as dams, uh, river pollution, things like that. But when you look at an area like the Rainy River, after they cleaned up the river, uh, sturgeon came back, came back on their own. There were some protections. There's a tight slot on them right now. Uh, they're they're tightly regulated, just like they are on Winnebago. And Winnebago is one of the healthiest sturgeon fisheries in the world. In fact, we've learned a lot about sturgeon because of the sturgeon spearing season on Winnebago states and uh, game management agencies from all over the world travel to Wisconsin to see how they manage sturgeon there, uh, so they can manage sturgeon better where they're from. In fact, they get the like a lot of the eggs and, and what they need to um, um, what's with stock sturgeon and grow more sturgeon in their areas from Winnebago. They've actually set up a spear act. Mike Gallagher and Representative Glenn Grothman announced legislation to protect the annual sturgeon spearing on the Winnebago system. The bill called the Sturgeon Protected and Exempt from Absurd Regulations Act, which I think is great, otherwise known as spear would proactively exempt the state of Wisconsin from any listing of Lake Sturgeon under the Endangered Species Act, which is great. So now you need to contact your, if you're from Minnesota, get a hold of your state rep now and tell them, let's do the same thing. Minnesota does need to be more proactive because this is the same thing they did to wolves in the state of Minnesota. The Humane Society of the United States went went around and filed petitions and, and sued U.S. Fish and Wildlife until they got a judge that agreed with them and now wolves are back in the endangered species list. And now they're trying to do the exact same thing with sturgeon, and this is how it starts. They get this passed, they're not gonna stop there, I promise, they're gonna move from from fish to fish, from animal to animal, anything we're out there hunting and fishing, they're gonna try to ban it for us. And this is all how it starts. So we need to be proactive about it. And I would like to see the Minnesota DNR be more proactive about the wolf regulations as well too. They've said many times their hands are tied, but I think they need to be louder and speak louder to the United States Fish and Wildlife Service about getting game management back in the hands of the state management agency. So uh, check it out. It's uh, the hunting public had a video called Spearing Giant Lake Sturgeon, a nice little uh, clickbaity title in parentheses for the last time ever. Find it on their YouTube channel right now. They got some cool spawning footage. It's really neat over there in the spring. You can get right up next to all these sturgeon in the water. I mean, within feet of them and see just piles of sturgeon, probably up by uh, like the Rapid River up on the. Hey, David, we came up with a new Onyx tip while we were up at Lake of the Woods when we were up there. Yeah. So uh, here's my tip for you. If you are going out to fish on a lake and you know you're going to be traveling in and out, uh, out onto the lake and off the lake, back and forth, maybe coming out in the dark like we did at, uh, at Lake of the Woods last week. I run a track on my OnX app. And then when we headed back out in the dark, I hooked up my phone to my truck and ran the OnX CarPlay feature. And I was able to follow that track just like a GPS. Worked out, great. Out onto the ice. Anyway, Especially because there were some other guys that just put a waypoint to where they were trying to go and they 
there's one little jog off the main road that we had to take and they missed it and wound up on the wrong road in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Not quite in Canada, but yeah. So uh, there's a little tip for you. If you're going to be driving out doing some ice fishing and especially going to be driving out in the dark, run a track on your Onyx app the first time you do it during the daylight and then run your CarPlay and you can follow it just like a GPS next time you drive out there. All right, more Lake of the Woods talk when we come back. Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world is calling out to you. From the Northwest Angle to the South Shore and Rainy River, this is the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, sauger, perch, northern pike, and eel power. The fishing on Lake of the Woods is like a world of its own. Experience the most amazing fishing through one of the many full-service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper fish house options. For more information, go to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Now we're going to head up to Lake of the Woods, check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism to talk about our trip up there last week, find out what ice conditions are like right now, and uh, maybe get a little sneak peek at the Rainy River. Joe, how you doing? I'm do, doing good. It sounds like you guys had a really good trip. You know, we always have a lot of fun up there. Uh, a glow is a great time. Riverbend is a good time. We caught fish. Yeah, fishing was a little tough, but, you know, like uh, like I like to tell people, even when fishing is tough, you're at Lake of the Woods, you're still generally catching fish. It's just, you know, it might it's be funny. a little bit slower. I mean, it, it, we, do, we do laugh about it because, like one guy put it, he goes, yeah, you know, even when fishing's a little bit tough up at Lake of the Woods, it's still better than anywhere in the state. And, yeah. You know, that's with all due respect, you know, it's from a Lake of the Woods guide. But, you know, um, the point of the matter is, is that, you know, even if, if uh, you had a you had a front come through and stuff and it might have slowed the fishing down a little, you still brought in some nice buckets of fish, walleyes and saugers, and I get some tulbies and um, yeah, there were a couple burbots and we caught a couple of perch. And I mean, we filled, we caught, we brought in our limit the first day. Yep. We worked from a little bit in both days and we fished in, uh, I think we were in 24 feet of water or 22 feet of water. I guess we were somewhere right around there. And uh, I had a slot fish up to the ice both days. I just, uh, my skills were lacking apparently. <laughs> David wasn't quick enough to come over and help me. I watched the first one fall off on the ice. <laughs> yeah. Typical, typical, typical bad angler blames his net, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to blame somebody. You know, well, it's, it's funny, too, because you talk, well, let's see, was it 22 or 24? It's just a matter of how far you got your transducer hanging down. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's exactly right, too. Um, but I know mine said 21.9, and we had almost two feet of ice I think, yeah. that we were on, too. So however you want to look at it like that. But uh, um, well, Brent, you know, that's a really good point you just said, though. And, you know, I mean, obviously, ice conditions, we always say this. Every ice road can be different. But right now, there's spots up there where, where some of our resorts are fishing that there's two feet of ice. And, you know, conditions up at Lake of the Woods, it's still winter up at the border. It, it's it's not spring yet. Yep, we've had some warm weather just in, in, in throughout the year and stuff. But, I mean, you know, there, there's still really good ice. We got wheelhouses going out. We got one-ton trucks on, on many roads, not all. You know, every road's different, but it's still game on. And, you know, with our extended seasons, you can have fish houses out through the month of March, March 31st on Lake of the Woods because we're border water. You know, you can have, a, we have an extended ice fishing season for walleyes and saugers through April 14th. And our pike season never closes. So if you still want to get up ice fishing or you haven't been ice fishing yet because it's been a, a weird warm year, you know, for, for most of the Midwest, you can still get up to Lake of the Woods and have an incredible trip. I will tell you this, and this is no BS. I've had many resorts and many guides tell me that they believe this is one of the best ice fishing years they've ever seen. Yeah. 
Well, and I think, you know, there's a, a few th- few reasons for that maybe, but we did see a couple of really good buckets from some of the Angos. You know, they, Riverbend had a bunch of people out, and uh, including some of us from Aglow. They had a veterans group there called Memories Made Outdoors. In fact, we're going to hear from some of those guys coming up later in the show. And uh, there were some nice fish. Even Mark Smith, I think Mark's daughter, Harper, caught the biggest walleyes, multiple uh, out of uh, most of the groups. So and I don't know how she was fishing. I know Mark... I think Mark caught one on, didn't he catch one on the original Al's Goldfish or something? And then, um, you know, our first day, the dead stick method was uh, definitely the the better option. And then the next day when the bite kind of shut off a little bit, it seemed like reaction bites with uh, like jigging wraps is what I was catching them on the second day. So, you know, isn't that that fun though? I mean, isn't that part of the fun? Oh, yeah. Experimenting. And, and watching your electronic steel fish are reacting, whoever's fishing with you, trying to work it out and say, hey, man, you know, I'm going to use a bigger spoon with a rattle. Why don't you use a smaller spoon? And why don't, why don't we have Danny do a, a rip and wrap? And let's just see what they're going on, you know? Yeah, it was fun. And we, we did try out some different things. It was David and I fishing last week up there. And uh, it was fun to try different things. And we text some of the other houses. How's it going for you guys, you know, and find out. And we actually spent the night in one of the sleepers. And I, I know that the night bite isn't always the greatest at Lake of the Woods. But the way I looked at it is you're not going to catch them sitting in your cabin or, or in the restaurant uh, back on shore. And there's always a chance to catch a giant anytime you're on Lake of the Woods. But I really wanted to catch a burbot. That was kind of my whole goal. So David and I had some of the big glow, big nasty jigs on and we we're pounding the bottom and then slept to the rattle, you know, the rattle reels down all night. And uh, the house next to us got the bourbon. Yep. We uh, we struck out. We marked a couple fish, but we couldn't get them to, to bite. But the, the, there was a there was a number of burbots caught, actually, some during the day, some at night. So you just never know what you're going to catch up there, Joe. You know, I'll tell you, it's true. And you know, the other thing I'll tell you too is I was talking to uh, one of our resort owners up at the Northwest Angle, and I spoke to somebody down on the South End too. They made the same comment, how clear the water is. Yeah. They were sitting down about eight feet on Lake of the Woods. This is stained water. Normally that is not the norm. And, you know, for that reason, one of the guides commented that, you know, yeah, you're getting fish throughout the day and stuff. But he said he believes that the lower light hours of morning and evening were a little bit better because it was more of a traditional walleye bite with a clear water. Um, so, yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? And, you know, you, you talk about, you know, why, like last year, I really just want to send some of these fishing reports to all the Facebook trolls from last who said the lake's fished out, <laughs> there's no fish left, there's no fishing pressure, and you know who you are. You know who you are, and you should, you should call Sporting Journal Radio and just apologize publicly. Um because this year, not only is there big numbers of fish, but the fish are nice, nice soggers, nice walleyes. Now, where were those fish? Now, in all these experts, where were those fish? And I'll tell you, I, I don't know if this is has anything to do with it or not, but you know, back in 2014, we had an 80 year rain event and the rainy river was just ripping trees and logs were going down. And we know when that happened, that basin bite slowed down. And then all of a sudden our guides up at the Northwest Angle were catching bigger walleyes up in the islands of Ontario when they're guiding customers. You know, and I think that big blast of water through there pushes uh, some of that forage, you know, north because mm-hmm. that's where the current's flowing. It's going um, north to the angle, then it's going northeast to uh, Kenora where the dam is. Now, with that being said, the summer of 22, just a year and a half ago, we had record-breaking high water. There was more water pushing through that system than ever. And all of a sudden last year wasn't the greatest ice fishing year. Well, could that could that be part of the reason? And now that basin's just starting to come back again. I don't know if that's it or not. But the bottom line is, uh, those fish those fish are on that south shore. You know, I tell you what, 
I shouldn't tell anybody this. You think ice fishing's good now? Those fish are tight, you know, pretty pretty tight to shore too. Yeah. I think that uh, Minnesota fishing opener is going to be. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and we we were only a couple miles out. Maybe I shouldn't be giving away exact locations, but we weren't very far out, and we were catching fish this year up well, there. Well, 22, so. 24 feet, that's about right, you know? Yeah. Just I, don't, I don't think saying a couple miles out on Lake of the Woods is giving away an exact location. <laughs> <laughs> There's I mean, a lot of water there. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I am I know good ice out there. Ice fishing will continue for a while. In fact, it'll probably be like it was a couple of years ago when we were up there for the fishing tournament on the Rainy River. There were guys ice fishing uh, at the same time as we were open water fishing. And we went down and checked Birchdale before we left last week. And uh, there was some open water to the east and some open water pockets down towards uh, Frontier. So it could be some early open water opportunities up there this year, Joe. Yeah, you know, that river, you know, we didn't get this, that, as thick of ice on the rainy rivers we normally have gotten. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, you know, when it goes, it's probably going to go quicker. And, uh, you know, there is some open water pockets to the east of Birchdale, like you said. And, you know, so I think when it rolls, it's going to go good. And, uh, you know, we could, this is one of those years we could have people uh, full-fledged ice fishing out on the lake. And, you know, we got boats on the Rainy River uh, hitting accesses. The other thing, too, is if uh, if that does happen with the river where the ice, when it goes out, it goes out pretty quick because it's not so thick and such. You know, it could be uh, nice, too, because you could have multiple accesses open up oh, at the yeah. same time or very close to the same time. And that makes it just easier because you're dividing up the traffic. Not everybody's going out of just one access. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it. April 9th and 10th, the SGR 500, third annual Fish Donkey two-day fishing tournament. And uh, Joe, I know that you'll be there. And if people want to learn more about Lake of the Woods right now and where they can book a trip and things like that, get more information, what should they do? Two places, Lake of the Woods Tourism's Facebook page and, of course, our website. And that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Don't miss the 2024 Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic presented by select Heartland Chevy dealers at Canterbury Park in Shakopee March 8th, 9th, and 10th. This year's Classic features top hunting celebrities like Pat Nicole Reeve of Driven TV, Melissa Bachman of Winchester Deadly Passion TV, and legendary bow hunter Barry Wenzel. Get your antlers scored, view more than 300 antler entries, and see the latest hunting products, plus a great lineup of lodges and outfitters. Learn more about the Minnesota Deer and Turkey Classic March 8th, 9th, and 10th at Canterbury Park in Shakopee at mndeerclassic.com. All right. Thanks, Joe. We're going to stay at Lake of the Woods and play back part of an interview we did with Paul Johnson from Riverbend Resort in a sleeper house last week at Lake of the Woods. Paul, these these are what, three years old, these sleeper houses? This is the third season that we've used the new sleepers. Yep. All right. Uh, tell me about them a little bit. So when we built these, we really kind of want to take all the experience and what we've done with our, our more experienced fleet of sleepers that we have, which are very functional and have worked really well. Um, and we, we put a little bit more thought into it. So like bunk layout, how can we make the most, you know, of the floor plan and the size of the fish house? And so we made some upgrades, you know, fold down table slash fifth bed bunk. Um, we went a lot of steel and then treated lumber just to get the longevity out of it, you know, so they're built for speed, they're built for comfort. And then, you know, TV with, with um, cell service hotspots, you know, you can access, you can stream, you know, depending on the, who you have for service, service. provider and, and mm -hmm. what's going to work up here and and then yeah just the ovens camper ovens burners uh, completely wired outlets led lighting um just like i said built for speed built for comfort and and efficiency i mean you're out sleeping and fishing 
Right on the ice. Efficiency. 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 <laughs> well, it's nice for us too to have all the outlets because we got all the camera gear and batteries we need to charge. And when it's cold outside, if we're in and out at all, the batteries are draining faster. So it's kind of nice to be able to, to plug in. And, and you know, if your people are out here, they can plug their phone in to charge it and and cast to the to the TV there. And you can sleep four or five people in here. You got ten holes, so five people can fish in here, and it's it's nice and big you know um, nice and roomy and like this I would really like the counter at the end like this it's out of the way lot and it's two shelves and another shelf up on top there so lots of storage area to, to put your stuff and if you can get it up off the floor too you know yeah. that makes a big difference um, just keeping it in that mid-range for temperature purposes and you know even and the new ones fans just to, to regulate that heat and the circulation so everyone's comfortable if you ever slept out on the ice you know low is a little cooler high is a little hotter yeah. but you know with the fans it really kind of helps disperse that that heat and we're still we are still running our experienced uh, fleet of sleepers we call them experienced because they are they, they put some seasons out on this lake and they're very effective and they're very efficient and we've made some of the upgrades inside of them with the camper ovens and and uh, wired for generators and LED lighting you know just to to be more efficient and have that versatility while you're out on the lake charging anything you need this lake is obviously known for walleye fishing and now sturgeon fishing, but there's been a couple of state records burbot caught out of this lake in recent years. Correct. Like I feel like you keep breaking it on this lake. Yes. So it, it was the first one when it first happened, we were just kind of like, oh, wow, you know, that that's kind of a cool record. Um, and, and with being a burbot, being a rough fish, there are some big fish out here. And it wasn't very long after that record was broke, another one was caught and broke that record. And whitefish, there was a, a record whitefish oh, yeah. caught out of this end on the U.S. side of Lake of the Woods as well. So known for walleye sauger, but it has been this, specifically this season, a very great mixed bag and we're seeing a lot more numbers of fish and, and different species of fish coming around this south side i mean there's big pike of course too and there's been uh muskies caught down here this year lake trout caught down here this year so uh you never really know what you might catch here at lake of the woods of course big lake part of a river system so there's a lot of fish species out here but i'm kind of excited staying here overnight tonight we got some big glow jigs we're gonna pound the bottom and see if we can't catch a bourbon glow it up and, and water clarity this year is pretty clean so anything that's kind of glowing with the darker water because of that better clarity this year it's they can see it out there and and there have been a few caught at night well we might have to throw a couple rattle reels down too and we maybe maybe rest our eyes for a little bit take a break from the screen time <laughs> that's right all right paul well thanks for having us up here once again it's been a good time we're not done yet of course but uh yeah we're looking forward to fishing tonight and another day tomorrow awesome yeah it's comfortable in here you yes. should sleep well I think, well, I was telling David, I think I'll sleep better out here than I will back there because I probably would have stayed, you know, in the bar for, you know, till later and there would have been a lot more activity and then you go <clears throat> back to your cabin and then it's harder to go to sleep and wind down. Here we can just kind of relax, fish a little bit. You can fish until you don't want to fish anymore. Take a nap. Get up again. I know I struggle with that. Last couple of times I've stayed overnight in fish houses, uh, you know, when we stay overnight on a lake. I just, I just like, I'll be, I'll lay there and I'll jig from my bed like this, keep one eye open <laughs> on the electronics. 
I just struggle to sleep when I'm out here fishing overnight. <laughs> but so we'll see how tonight goes. That thrill of not knowing what what could be lurking underneath. Yeah. Well, it's like I mean, it's time on the water, right? I mean, you want to catch fish, you want a chance to catch a big fish, and obviously this is one of the best places to catch a big walleye. If you're out here, you gotta have a line in the water. You, you know? do. <clears throat> Trophy walleye, uh, you know, big pike, sturgeon, um, you know, those record burbot and whitefish. You know, mm -hmm. you just, you never know. I'm sorry, I'm very distracted looking at the live scope, Paul. I know you're, I know you're talking over there, but I'm no, <laughs> only no. half listening. It's like a, it's like a mosquito <laughs> to the bug zapper. Last time I stayed out here, Paul, it was a while ago when I last time I stayed in a sleeper out here. But um, after dark, fishing slowed down, which I think a lot of people know that Lake of the Woods is kind of a, a day bite lake uh, because of the water uh, clarity. But we did catch walleyes after dark, just a, just a handful, but they're all quality fish. Like they were nice fish. And anytime, again, anytime you're on a lake like this, if you want to be out there, you know, if, if you want to be out there as much as you can, this is a great opportunity because you might catch that walleye of a lifetime out here. But we caught a handful of walleyes that were all slot fish, and then we caught a burbot that we actually cooked up on the ice in a sleeper house that night. So it was a really cool experience that people can do out here. Well, absolutely. And Lake of the Woods has not been really known for the strong night bite, like some other lakes and, and you know, more the Clearwater lakes. Mm -hmm. That natural staining of the water does add that that extra darkness and you know they even say that the main bite times are that nine to five that the bank time of, of fishing but that doesn't mean that like you said that you can't catch fish at yeah. night and if you're not out here trying you would never know mm -hmm. so um you you're pretty spot on when it comes to that the the, the opportunity is if you're there you could catch one yeah but it it's not really that go to overnight strong bite like some other places it, it's crazy like if, i remember the first few times i came up here in the winter and we were going coming out kind of after you know like right at sun up or a little after and we were going in right before sunset and i'm like why why aren't we out there early in the evening and uh the more i came up here the more i, I understood that that the best bite is is you know between those windows mm -hmm. um you can still catch fish outside those windows, of course. I'm excited to try to catch an eel pot, though, after dark. So we caught plenty of walleyes today and, and saugers, of course. So we'll see if we can't get one of those Elber bows. The lawyer, the burbot. The ling. The poor man's lobster. Freshwater cod. <laughs> There's one more that I know of. You know what? Nope. Mariah. The Mariah. Yep. <laughs> Let's get one. We've talked many times, uh, whether on our podcast or on some of these videos we've done, uh, about how much work goes into, uh, you know, running a, an ice fishing business up here on Lake of the Woods. It's a lot of work, and I've, you know, I got a, a good chance to look at the ice out here this year, and it's not i mean it's it's good solid ice we got what 22 inches or something here or something like that but when you get off the road like it was a real smooth road coming out here but you get on the sides of it and you got chunks of ice jagged edges doing this way and going this way and that way and this you have to i'd assume anyway 
you're taking a plow and you're breaking through some of that ice to make a road. That, that can't be easy to do. There's a, there's a couple different processes, and, and I wish Moses was around to part some of them ice breaks <laughs> like that. It would be so much easier, but there is a lot of physical labor and prep that goes. From the start of the season when the ice is first forming, you get those sheets shifting and the wind blowing, and, and they come together, and they're constantly pulling apart and coming back together until everything is frozen solid. So as we progressively move out each sheet that formed during that you know that late fall early winter time frame is is throwing a new obstacle at us and that's you know how much did it push together how much you know are we having to chisel through saw through um and that's before we even bring the big plow chucks out you know so everything's small rig monitoring ice thickness conditions on a daily basis that early ice season and then of course as it gets colder uh, ice gets thicker we start bringing big bigger vehicles out and the plow trucks we run you know big one tons uh, with the straight v plow on the front and those work really well when you're you're trying to make it through you know some of that early heave formation <clears throat> so you, you kind of come up to it at a slower speed and you're able to to kind of chisel and break away some are big and you got to get out and hand chisel mm. um, break them up with grizzly bars um, hit them with malls you know whatever you got to do to kind of break that path um, <clears throat> and then also that constant search for the easiest way to pass through that type of ice so this year we we haven't had the snow cover so it's it's a lot easier to see to identify to know where you know you can go but most seasons when we have you know three three feet of snow two and a half three feet of snow out on this ice it covers a lot of that up and you're, you're kind of wandering around tromping through that snow looking for the easiest way to pass through it doing the ice work and then moving all this snow you know so it it is a constant uh you know physical get it done just because we want to stay on these fish yeah well and even when you don't have the snow that brings another challenge like you, you don't have anything to bank the houses with <laughs> you know it's <laughs> that, like that, if it's not one thing challenge. it's another and, and this year we've we've had to improvise and um we did a lot of construction and and repairs on a lot of fish houses and and cabins and and units at the resort so we this year we're able to gather up a bunch of some of the lumber that we had that would span the gaps between the skids to the ice just to block that wind uh, and that started this you know early this season as well but snow is is really very important for the banking purpose great insulator so we're about a year into or this is the first winter and so this is the first winter that the new law has been on the book uh, uh, as uh, see how can I say this so this year is the first year that the new law regarding waste on the ice has been in place uh, spawning from the whole keep it clean push how's it been so far so you know we we other resorts are always moving around us constantly moving around us as well and you know this you'll be able to see a lot you don't see near if any oh good extra bags or you know um like in our case lumber you know using mm -hmm. that to blocks to, for, to block winds and for banking houses you know making sure that that gets picked up because that rule is in place and uh you, you take that extra second because you, you don't want to get a fine. You don't want to be the person or the place that is doing that. So I, I think that law has really sparked a different thought process in your ice presence uh, while you're there. Um, if you're up on your own fishing, taking that extra second, you know, do you want to pay the fine or do you just want to take 
five seconds, grab that bag, do another sweep around, make sure everything is, is in place. And, and what really helps is that having it tied to the structure, you know, mm -hmm. physically attached to the structure. And, you know, we do that on all our, our portable um, porta potties that we have out here. It's oh, just sure. extra points to put trash and giving the opportunities to dispose of properly. Um, and they're connected to the, to the buildings just like they're supposed to, but it's doing great so far. Good. Don't forget, Friday and Saturday, March 15th and 16th, is the Midwest Chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation Banquet at the Marriott Southwest Hotel in Minnetonka. They got prime rib. They got uh, a bunch of other food. They've got um, uh, some auction items, including three live auctions featuring North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming State bighorn sheep tags, along with world-class big game hunts uh, throughout North America, Africa, Europe, Asia, fishing, all of this stuff. Uh, they're going to give away two youth South Dakota statewide turkey licenses this year. So the Midwest chapter of the Wild Sheep Foundation annual banquet Friday and Saturday, March 15 and 16 at the Minneapolis Marriott Southwest Hotel in Minnetonka. Last week, we were at Lake of the Woods at Riverbend Resort for an association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders media camp. While we were there, a veterans group came up uh, called Memories Made Outdoors. We're going to learn more about that group uh, right now, including with the owner, Mike Farrell. Tell me about MMO. So MMO was founded this year in January of 2024, and we started this organization um, to simply give back to veterans and first responders. And the goal of that is to uh, provide these men and women that have served, whether it's um, in the military or in their communities, um, to give them just a, a phenomenal experience um, all over the Midwest region, going to you know first-class resorts, um, destination places that are just incredible. And um, that's just the expectation we have as an organization. Uh, we feel that they deserve the best. So with that, we find some of the best guides that have the same uh, mindset we do as an organization. And we try to partner with businesses and resorts and destinations that have that same aspect as well. Why do you do it? That's a loaded question. Um, we do it to simply give back. And um, the hardest challenge we face is to get these men and women to come on the trips because they don't expect anything. And um, we do it for the camaraderie. Um, we do it as an alternative therapy for them. And with my experience in the, the nonprofit world for over a decade, I've come to learn that just being blessed with the boat and taking these men and women fishing, it truly helps them. And there's a, it's, it's an epiphany that happens for them. And it doesn't happen to all of them, but I, I can attest that it happens to most of them. I mean, even on this trip we were on this week, um, we've seen some change in, uh, in a few of the guys. and. These guys get around each other. They all have one thing in common. They all sign the dotted line and they were all willing to sacrifice it. Even for those that serve their communities, you know, our cops, our firefighters, our law enforcement officers, the first responders, they put their lives on the line every day. They're willing to save someone every day. And when they get together, they have a bond. And when you see that, it's, it's like magic, you know, and, and that's truly why we do it. 
Yeah, it gives them a chance to talk to somebody that's had some sort of relatable experience. Absolutely. And, you know, the reason we do week-long trips typically, like in the summertime, it's a lot easier to do a week-long trip. You get that time in the boat and you get the time in the wilderness, the outdoors, that fresh air. Um, a few of our board members, myself included, we're civilians. So there's always a like, hey, what's the catch? You know, why are you doing this? We got it this week. You know, we experienced some of those questions this week. And for them, it kind of sounds like it's too good to be true, right? So um, the reason we do those week-long trips, one, it helps them build camaraderie with their brothers. But two, it also gives us an opportunity to build some trust with them as well. And for us, fishing's a gateway. You know, it's a gateway to say, hey, what's up? What do you need? Um, is there is there a, you know something that's that's getting to you where you need some help after this trip uh we'd love to offer them a resource of some sort you know and we have those resources available i mean some of our board members are military some of them are law enforcement some of them are paramedics so and then with that we have a network of people we have realtors we have job placement you know we have therapists things like that where if they're willing you know we're willing to help them who's this so this is timber timber is uh 20 months old she's our our yellow lab and timber has been in the boat with me since she was 12 weeks old and she comes on every trip and she's been with me since last august was her her first trip with um, another organization that i was with and she's a boat dog she loves to fish she's kind of a bougie girl <laughs> she she really won't move unless it's a walleye <laughs> and uh timber's really good with the vets and the first responders that come on our trip she she's got a sense to her and you know it's i wouldn't say she's a therapy dog but naturally she just kind of hangs out and attaches to these guys and gals when they come up you know um at first i thought it was me you know she was just kind of picking someone and hanging out with them but um in my experience with her she's she's attached to several different people and just kind of you know checks them and gives them a little love and she's got a place she's she's our our, our memories made girl so and we're uh, definitely a dog friendly group so typically on all our trips we'll have we'll have a few pups running around she looks very comfortable. Uh, yeah, I think she's had a, a couple of long days fishing in the <laughs> in the ice houses. So she's 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 knocked out right now. It's a great thing about Riverbend here is they love dogs, they love labs, and uh, you know they don't have a problem with you bringing them out to the fish house. Like no, that. no, Timber's been it, Riverbend has been phenomenal. I mean, what a what a class act they are. I have never met Paul and Brandy before. I, I met Paul briefly at the ice show this this winter. And I gotta say this, I mean, they're second to none. I feel like I've known them forever. They treat us like family, you know. They rolled out the red carpet for us. I mean, great food every day. Literally, you come up, you grab your rods, your Vexlar, and if you don't have them, they have them. And you go out to your fish house. The guides are fantastic. Um, you know, the houses are clean. They're nice houses. Uh, the holes are clean, you know, they're warm, everything works. And if you need something, they'll bring it out to you. You know, I mean, we had a, we had a Vexlar go down today and like clockwork, we had a brand new one sitting there waiting for them. So I, I have nothing but good things to say. They've been fantastic with us. Um, and with that being said, we're coming back next year and we're going to do it bigger and better. So 
You ever had a pizza delivered to your fish house? We before? did today. That was a first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the cool thing is, you know, right in their fish house, hey, if you want pizza for lunch, just call in an order before 11 and we'll get it out to you. I mean, we had three pizzas brought out to us today <laughs> for lunch. What a riot. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, you know, unless you're in an ice castle and you got your little pizzazz pizza maker, you know, but yeah, I can't say I've ever had fresh pizza delivered. <laughs> that was a... Uh, Definitely a niche thing, pretty unique. Caught some fish out there? Yeah, you know, it uh, It was a challenge. Of course, we're on a negative bite right now just because of the fronts. But with that being said, we made the best of it. You know, all our vets are going home with a limit of fish. We had a fish fry yesterday. We had some hors d'oeuvres. Uh, more importantly, our vets had a great time. You know, it was, it was top notch. That fish fry, I don't know what they put in that coating, but that's, uh, And that's they wouldn't good. tell me. <laughs> they wouldn't tell me, I'm like, hey, what do you, what'd you guys use? I'm not a big beer batter guy, yeah. you know, and I, I cook my fish very similar, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, cause I like to taste the fish, right. you know, and yeah, whatever they use for their mix, boy, it's, it's good. it was outrageous. Good stuff. Yeah. You know, again, that's part of our mission is picking places that are incredible and places we can make memories for these men and women, because again, um, it's our mission that they deserve the best and Riverbend has definitely provided that and gone above and beyond that. Tell me about some of the vets that you got with. So we have six vets on this trip. Um, one of them's a first responder as well. Um, the, the age range is anywhere from um, the 80s down to the 40s. Uh, we got a mix of uh, some Vietnam era veterans and some younger Afghan, you know, Afghan vets and whatnot. Um, but this crew was, you know, the, the latter, they were the older, the older generation and very laid back, um, a good group of guys and they did a phenomenal job out there. You know, then no complaints, you know, they just came out and fished. The best part that I like about these old timer guys is the jaw jacking. You know, you could just sit back, whether you're in a boat or in a fish house or even just in the lodge, you know, you're sitting there hanging out and uh, just listening to stories, you know, and then they start BSing each other and start poking the bear a little bit. Well, you're a Marine and well, uh, you're, you're, you're a Navy and they, well, I was your Uber, you know, and they just, they get going on each other and at the end of that, that comes back to that camaraderie thing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, the guys that we had up here all served multiple years. I mean, four plus, most of them. Um, some of them multiple tours. Um, you know, some of them, it's affected them quite a bit mentally. And some of them, they can, they can talk about it, you know. Um, for a couple of the guys that, you know, were a little rough around the edges and a little anxious when they got here. Tonight was a totally different story. It's mm -hmm. part of that magic. You know, it's just that little bit of time and a little bit of trust with their brothers and a little bit of camaraderie, and then they start to open up a little bit. A couple of beers helps too. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Bill. Bill is awesome. So Bill and I are, um, are very close. Um, Bill's a, a Vietnam Marine. He was a Huey crew chief, and uh, he worked on OV-1 Broncos. And Bill and I met back in 2017. We've known each other about eight years. And he's like grandpa to me, um, or dad, I guess, you know. Um, that guy is tough as nails. 
you know, he he lives close to me, he lives 15 minutes from me, and we, we watch him, we keep an eye on him. His daughter lives down in, uh, down in Arizona, and she'll text me and say, hey, keep an eye on Dad, you know. I said, I can't keep up with him half the time. <laughs> you know, half the time he's on our home lake. He's got his own little boat, and, you know, he's got a little 16-foot lund with a 25 on it, and he's out fishing for perch and walleyes, and the dude's a stick. I mean, 80 years old, and he was wheeling them today and yesterday. And, you know, he loves to fish. And more importantly, what, what I love about Bill is he loves to give back as well. Um, he's been on several trips with me. Um, I, I would call him more of an ambassador. You know, he, he can really help me... Um, um, work with some of these men and women that you know might face some challenges and he's just he's dialed in and he's not you know he's not scared to talk to him he's pretty he's pretty upfront he's a no-nonsense guy you know but he's compassionate too you know and he's very very generous um, he's been a big supporter of me ever since I met him you know through my endeavors and whatnot and um, I, I love the guy to death you know he's like I said he's like grandpa to me and then tell me about JT. So JT I met, um, oh geez, it was 2018, 2019, around that period. We did a trip up to Menaki, Ontario. And it was uh, kind of a primitive fish camp type thing. This was with a different organization. And uh, we were on a, on a small lake. I think it was called Signet Lake. You know, it was up in the middle of nowhere. And beautiful lodge. But it was August and it was God awful hot. I mean, we're talking record-breaking highs for Ontario, you know, um, flirting with 100 degrees. Oh, boy. And uh, I think there was, you know, nine or ten vets on that trip. I was up there as a volunteer guide. I didn't know anything about the lake, so I wasn't really a guide. I was learning whether these guys had as much information as I did. And um, JT walked in, and I'm like, man, that dude... He commands some respect, you know, and um, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him in a boat just because how they had us paired up and whatnot, but talked to him a little bit after and, and we just kind of kept in touch and, um, you know, thank God for social media. There are good parts of it. Mm -hmm. And JT reached out uh, a couple weeks ago and he's like, man, dude, congratulations. Looks like you're doing good things. He's like, hey, I'm retired now and I'm onto some different things. I'm out of the service and 26 years, mm -hmm. multiple tours, um, combat vet, you know, he's, he's got a lot under his belt and he's a he pretty well-rounded guy. You know, he's a Wisconsin guy. That'd probably be the only iffy thing I'd say about him. You know, I don't know if he's a Packer fan, but that kind of runs true and true, you know. It's but, Eau Claire uh, though, right? So Eau Claire. He's, so, he, you know, he kind of... too far. Yeah, I mean, we, we might be able to, you know, import him, but... Um, you can bring some of the beer and sausage over and yeah, some of the cheese. Yeah, some of that cheese, yeah. you know. I mean, they, they, got a, they got a couple of good things going for them. <laughs> but, you know, JT's a stand-up guy, and, and we had an opening on this trip, and I'm like, you know what? We had a really rough time on that trip just with the weather and the conditions, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, 89 degrees overnight. Yeah. And, Oof. like, kind of weird, but... There was no air conditioning and we literally moved it was like a cabin like this we literally moved all of the furniture into the kitchen and all of us slept on our floor 
on the floor in our boxer shorts because that was the only cool thing that was the hardwood floor in the cabin. Then we woke up the next morning, went fishing. And I, that lake we pounded walleyes on. I mean, we had fish every night for dinner and then we all went home with our limit. And it, it, memories, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, they're memories, right? Um, but yeah, and then I, like I said, we had the opportunity to bring JT on this trip and I'm like, man, there's no better guy that deserves it, you know? been through it all um i think he's got some law enforcement under his belt too hmm. and uh you know now he's a, a safety director for a company and gets to enjoy life a little bit so and and more importantly he was on this trip with us and he's like hey you know just got a new boat i'd love to help you guys out hmm. so just a testimony of these guys wanting to keep giving back to their own brothers as well where can we find out more about your organization? Uh, so we have some social media outlets. We have Facebook, of course, and um, we have the, the TikTok, which I'm, I'm learning. The TikTok. <laughs> the TikTok. 45-year-old <laughs> guy trying to learn TikTok. Nothing's, yeah. nothing's makes it sound more like you know what you're talking about than if you put the in but, front of it. Well, well, typically I would say ticker talker because I call them <laughs> the ticker talker kids. I got to have my daughter come over and help me. Um, so anyways, yeah, we have Facebook, uh, Instagram, it's at Memories Made Outdoors. And then, of course, our website, um, memoriesmadeoutdoors.org. Okay. Very good. Awesome. Mike, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. The new official truck sponsor of Sporting Journal Radio and Fish Hunt Forever is Invergrove Toyota. I got the new Toyota Tundra Limited this year. I love that truck. You'll see it driving around. In fact, we had a lot of people taking pictures of it last week, Lake of the Woods. I mean, I thought it looked good, but I was a little biased. But, um, Apparently, uh, some other people liked it too. And you yourself can own almost the very same truck. In fact, they got so excited when we did this truck for us that they went out and custom built a new Toyota Tundra Limited. And it's on the showroom floor right now at Invergrove Toyota. When you go in there, buy yourself a Toyota Tundra. They'll give you a discount if you use the code FHF. Check it out. More information at sportingjournalradio.com. All right. We also had a chance to talk to a couple of the vets while we were there, including Bill Friedland. Hi, Ben. Four years in the Marine Corps. Okay. 65 to 69. Okay. Then I was a helicopter gunner and crew chief on a Huey helicopter. Okay. And then we had OV-10 Broncos along with it. All right. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you've been, uh, you've known Mike for, for a, a little while now, haven't you? Uh, it's about eight years now. Okay. Yep. And... Um, Heck of a guy. He wants everything just nice and clean, you know, with everything as far as everything goes. Everything he wants to do, he wants to do it the best. These trips are uh, are important, aren't they? Oh boy, big time. Yeah, that's, it's um, hard, to under, hard to imagine, but after one of these trips, like, to Canada or any place in Minnesota like that you go and um, it'll take you a day or two to you know to kind of unwind a little bit to get you on because everybody's pretty hyped up about what's happening or what their expectations was they really don't know but after about the third day you can see them start to open up a little bit or quite a bit and uh, for I say at least if not all of them, 99% of them changes their outlook on on their self, life in general. Hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something that's hard to explain. You have to experience it yourself. 
even if you weren't a veteran, you could experience this and get something out of it. Yeah, what do you, what do you suppose it is about these trips that make that happen? Uh, it's just the, the where you're at has a lot to do with it. You haven't maybe been there before. I went for the first time in, uh, to Canada in 18 with Mike, and I'd never been to Canada, and that was one of my um, go-to lists for their, you know, one of, the, one of the things I haven't done. And uh, it was just completely awesome. Just, you can say awesome, but that doesn't even come close to what it feels like. It just, uh, Kind of humbling in a way, but the others, the, the scenery is so beautiful, and the people you're around makes a lot of difference. Yeah. And with the people that's around Mike, and he does a good job on making sure that you're comfortable, and if you have anything that you want to talk about, when it, it stays there, you know, but you got somebody to talk to. And it's just like at a lot of the vets that I meet that I uh, met one this week now that. Uh, and um, he was pretty shy. He, he didn't even want to go on the lake because he had a bad experience on the lake. Mm. I said, I'll ride with him. So we rode out eight miles, and I said, take a deep breath. And we just had some small talk on the way out. And uh, he made it out, and by the time we drove that eight miles, and just small talk, and hi, are you, and this and that. And I'm a Marine. He happened to be a Marine by a chance. And um, by the time we got to the fish houses, he was fish house. He was calmed down enough to where he could relax. And then after Mike and I had talked to him for some time, that he started opening up. You know, it's not a cure all mm -hmm. by no means. There's just a lot of things that can't be fixed, but you might be able to. Um, face those that you were probably kind of hiding off a little bit that you could, it's, uh, a lot of people I look at as a challenge. I've had a lot of, a lot of ups and downs in my life and, and uh, I'm kind of a strong person myself as far as going in and when I joined the Marine Corps, I was 22 years old and I uh, wanted to change my life somehow and it did. And I wanted to fly. I couldn't fly because of my uh, glasses. I had my eyes weren't good enough. But I did have the opportunity to uh, work with helicopters. I did stay in the air wing. That's what I wanted to sign up for four years being in the air wing, and ended up uh, working with the uh, Huey helicopters and the OV-10 Broncos. That's the ones we took. That's what we took overseas. Well, they shipped over. Riding out with another um, Marine, um, you know, obviously being another veteran probably helped that experience. But do you think being another Marine made a big deal with that too? Big time. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a connection there. Mm -hmm. You know, or Marine to Marine, or Army to Army, Navy to Navy. You're still you have something in common, and. Um, with the Marine Corps, it just uh, seems that when I joined, I, I uh, looked at it was just a, an awesome thing that I wanted to do, and I wasn't awesome at the time, and it took four years to, to do that. Hmm. And I still came out and did have problems, but um, the Marine Corps taught me a lot about 
respect, you know, and uh, hygiene. Hmm. There's a lot of guys that, uh, when we went in, there's a lot of guys that didn't have a good hygiene, you know, know how to make a bed, just mm -hmm. simple stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. Paris Island? No, I went to uh, San Diego. San Diego, okay. Went to San Diego. It was, uh, we had a heavy snow in 65. And going to California, I'd never been to California before, coming from Minnesota, and we were sitting on these buckets and cleaning a clean rifle. <laughs> and I was enjoying it, and the guys that were from California were complaining because it was cold because we were sitting on our shorts and t-shirts and I was sitting there soaking up the sun. I was on vacation. <laughs> and I was always in good shape. And uh, I used to unload beef trucks and stuff like that. I was, mm. boot camp was a, was a piece of cake to me. <laughs> Other than being yelled at about for about eight weeks. But when you get off the bus and look at those yellow foot steps, footprints and the cement, you get out and you put your foot over theirs, and that's the beginning of, and the next step is to get your hair cut. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, it's different, but in 65, you went in there and it didn't make any difference what it was. You all looked the same and you were bald-headed when you come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they broke, that was the idea, to break you down, mm -hmm. make everybody the same, start from there, and then build your unit from there. Well, going back to this week or this trip up here to River Bend, how how has the trip been here? Uh, how's the lodge been? Uh, fish house? Oh, it's outstanding. I mean, they. I've been to a, a lot of different places and lodges. You know, uh, well, Canada treated us real well. We had did have a couple of different experiences that weren't real good in Minnesota, but um, they just weren't to the level of the expectancy of Mike and anybody else because he looks for handicapped. Uh, a lot of people can say handicapped, but it's not really. Mm -hmm. And we try to get, we've taken people in the boat that uh, are in wheelchairs mm -hmm. and it's a challenge, but um, we get it done. But Riverbend has been outstanding. It's just, it couldn't be any better. They just, um, I've never been treated that well up here. I've gone up here in the past years, and um, it's been okay. They take care of you, but this is very personable, and they know everybody. They're, they're like in contact with you directly. It's not getting somebody else to tell you. Here you're talking to somebody that's the owner, and they're they're involved. And hundred percent. And doing some of the cooking. How was that brisket tonight? Oh, I'm not a brisket person, but I devoured a bunch. <laughs> that was just, uh, well, all the meals have been, really. Mm -hmm. It's just, but the brisket, you know, that, uh, I was a meat cutter for uh, 37 years, and uh, this was top shelf. If we had uh, some other veterans watch this that are out there that haven't gone on a trip like this, what would you say to them? Go, have the update. Go if you have any doubts in it. They'll uh, they'll answer. Michael answer any question you have. Be honest with you, and be honest with him that you can. The biggest thing is that you'll be able to. He'll get you 
used to the trip right away and um, everything is so easy that you don't have to you don't have to wonder about anything because you ask and he'll he'll tell you it's, everything is transparent and that's what we try to be like I told the gentleman that I rode out with uh, the lake I says if you got something bothering you right now and it's really aching you and this and that and I says it all stays here we're not and we're not a cure-all but I says well, something to talk about mm-hmm. talk it someone to talk to yep the whole trip has been fantastic and it's uh, it's been a stress on Mike I know because I know him and he wants everything top shelf because we did come from a different organization that um, it wasn't what he he wanted hmm. that he expected he thought it was but it didn't turn out so he went out on his own and uh, he's making it. it's going to be a little bit tough he was, you raise these organizations to raise money and everybody wants money mm-hmm. there isn't one that doesn't or doesn't need it um, but yeah it's uh, just to go talk to Mike you know if you have any uh, talk to anybody talk to Allie or Mike and they'll tell you exactly what they do what to go and if you like to be outdoors or you like to fish for this uh, here that you can't get any better plus the fact it's no cost everybody so what's this gonna cost me uh, somebody will ask me what's it cost it's nothing in fact we if we have the funds for it we'll buy the the uh, fishing license for you but all the food everything that you have all you got to do is have the clothes to be there all right okay i think that's perfect okay thank you very much thank you the onyx party at pheasant fest this year is called offline uh pheasant fest is march 1st to the 3rd in sioux falls at the ramco at uh the Grand Rushmore Hall, Ramcota Sioux Falls, and the Onyx offline event is Friday night, March 1st at 9 p.m. They'll have live music, they'll have uh, conservation discussion, a chance to win a variety of Upland gear with free pull tabs, uh, some lion kugels, and more. You can learn about the new PATH program. Uh, the Dam Jammer is going to be playing live music, so Onyx's offline event, Friday, March 1st at uh, Pheasant Fest this year. All right, more Lake of the Woodstock when we come back. All right, we also had the chance to talk to JT Beck. Yeah, talk about your experience with him and this organization then. Yeah, so um, so I first met Mike, I think it was 2019, up in Canada, just a great guy, um, just very personable, and he always wants to do the best he can for others. Um, those that have served in the military, in the military or uh, law enforcement, first responders, um, just a great soul, great human being. He's never served himself, but you know his his dad did, and he feels like that's one way he needs to give back. So we're I'm very grateful to have met him and to be on this trip. So it's been very nice. Uh, do you want to talk about your service at all? Sure, I can. Yeah. Okay. So for me, I um, I just retired in uh, from the army after 26 years of service. Um, I was a combat engineer. When I retired, I was a command sergeant major or E9. Um, best thing I ever did was joining the Army. Even better than that was retirement, so <laughs> it's been pretty awesome. Um, a lot of awesome changes for me. Um, I just also got a new job as a working for a safety, hmm. um, big construction company. 
over in Wisconsin, and I just uh, had a ended a career with law enforcement over the last twelve years too. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of good changes. Now I can just kind of relax and go more fi- do more fishing and there stuff you go. Like this, so. well, well, thank you for your services in law enforcement yeah. too, because that's that's a tough tough business right now. Absolutely. So, um, as someone uh, as a veteran. Um, how important are these types of trips? Um, you know, when I, when I first started looking at trips like this, I was kind of standoffish, you know, what to expect. Um, I think it's important because the camaraderie that we had in the service is hard to find anywhere else, mm-hmm. especially with other civilians who don't understand, you know, what it's like to serve or you have a you have a brotherhood, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of the same lingo, the same likes and dislikes, um, and it's a way to just kind of vent or to talk to people that have a commonality um, of serving in the military. So, mm-hmm. and doing it in a setting like hunting, fishing, being in the outdoors doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, absolutely. And even like for me, I'm an avid fisherman, hunter. And I enjoy it and it gives the opportunity to explore different places. And then also you, you have people on these trips that haven't fished before or catch their first sauger or northern through the ice. So it's pretty, pretty um, amazing for them too. So Talk about your experience here at Riverbend. So for me, this experience has been amazing. Um, as soon as I walk through the door, just very pleasant people, met the owners right away. Um, and the combinations have been way more than I expected. Um, just very clean, very helpful people talking to the guides. Um, when you're in the fish houses, you know, trying to help you with, oh, maybe try this bait or this kind of technique or um, they have everything ready for you. It's just very nice to um, come and not have to worry about doing anything. You know, they're just gonna do pretty much other hard work for you. You just gotta come and relax. And plus the food's amazing too. So. Yeah, right? And pizza delivered pizza to the house? delivered out to the ice house, yeah. Brisket? Brisket for supper, oh, amazing. So, yeah. And the tacos, the lasagna. And the fish, cooking up your fish. Yeah, so we did that last night, cooked some fish up. What do you so. think they're putting in that coating? Uh, I like it because it's simple, yeah. plain. Um, it gives you opportunity, it's not too filling, and you can actually taste the fish too. You guys caught a few fish. Yeah, we caught uh, caught quite a few fish. Um, I think yesterday we did better than today. Um, biggest fish I think it was just under 18. Um, yesterday caught a couple of 17 today, well 15, 16. So some you know some nice eating fish. Nothing too big. Yeah. Um, numbers. You know, we probably caught, I probably caught about 20 fish yesterday. Today is probably closer to 15, mm-hmm. but so decent overall. Lots of action, you got fish to eat, and you guys are all bringing some fish home. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't ask for a better time, so. And everybody comes here for the walleyes, but I'm a little jealous of the fish you caught this morning. Yeah, it wasn't me, unfortunately, but my uh, house partner, he caught a, uh, a burbot this morning, so. That's right awesome. away, so. We're hoping it was a big walleye, but hey, we'll take that too, a nice bonus fish, so. They will trick you. Yeah, so we um, we did uh, get an opportunity to uh, 
eat the fish tonight, take the loins out, and a little poor man's lobster. Yeah. Have you had that before? I have, yeah. Okay. That's really pretty good. good. Oh, yeah. As long as you do it right away, yeah. you know, boil it in 7-Up or Sprite. And Anything else you want to say? How about uh, if there's any veterans watching this right now that uh, haven't done a trip like this or maybe have thought about it or um, what, what, what would you say to them? Say um, be open to an opportunity like this. It's more than just coming up here fishing. Um, it's getting away for a couple of days. It's kind of getting out of your element, relaxing. and gives you an opportunity to meet some other veterans who have the same commonalities, but also may help you with different resources. It's a way to reconnect um, and learn from each other. So um, it's a win-win for, for everything. It's gonna help you throughout your um, your retirement or wherever you're at with your near career. So a lot of awesome opportunities out there for stuff like this. Um, a lot of people who have been um, in your situation who can also understand if you want to open up and talk about anything um, on the deeper level mm -hmm. um, and it's a great opportunity to uh, to do that too so yeah it's fun and it's fun yeah <laughs> good time all right um, anything else you want to say no I just um, happy to be here um, and thanks for you guys being here too at the same time it's been a pleasure meeting everyone with Igloo and uh, hope to see yourself out on the, on the market so I can see what you guys do too. So Sure. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.